Okay, we are back for the second part. And, uh, Jim, you were talking about, um, was it New Jerusalem or something yeah. you were talking about? Do you want to go ahead and uh, expound on that a little bit, what what you were thinking? Yeah, well, the New Jerusalem, as you, as you read the scriptures, um, it's it's always pointing to the spiritual city. It's always pointing to the people of God, uh, the born-again saints, if you will. And, and in Revelations chapter 22, uh, where is this spiritual city, this new Jerusalem, as Jesus called it? Uh, this new Jerusalem is in heavenly places. And in Revelations 22, uh, John, on the Isle of Patmos, when he was in the Spirit in the Lord's day, and he was seeing all these profound revelations, he said, I see the new Jerusalem. This is in the end of the book of Revelation. And he said, it's coming down from heaven to earth. Well, if the new Jerusalem, which is the city of God, which we're all a part of, if the earth is going to be totally destroyed, uh, then why is the new Jerusalem coming down to earth? Uh, It's it's because uh, the earth that's being destroyed, and, and I think that this is important really for us to understand, we're not talking about a material earth here. It's like Brother Rich said, there may be some shaking, and frankly, I think that there will be. Um, you know, God demonstrated this as you read the, the Old Testament, how Israel was such a blessed nation of God, but every time they got exalted within themselves, they brought judgment on themselves. God didn't. They opened the door to the Philistines to come in and wreak havoc in their life and kill their children. We can't blame God for those things. God's desire was to love them and to bless them. So anyway, when the Philistines came in and destroyed many of them, they repented, they changed their mind, and they went back to their first love. And I believe that this is an hour we're at right now, and this hour, Rich, could last for 500 years. I don't know. I'm not putting any time limit on it, but I do believe that we are in a time. One of the poems that the Lord gave me was, he said, uh, you're living in a day when it's going to be like shifting sand. In other words, God is, God is going to allow everything that was created of man, everything that's evil, it's going to shake and shake until it comes down. And when it comes down, God's kingdom, through that dung, through that poop, purification, God's, purification, God's kingdom is going to raise Amen. up through that. A lot Amen. of times that's how you get your best plants is you put a bunch of you-know-what around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fertilizer. There you go. He's going to allow us to get fertilized. This is a PG show here. (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, I said earlier, Jim, that uh, that his kingdom, there shall be no end. That word end in the Strong's Concordance, most uh, Greek and Hebrew scholars know what the Strong's Concordance is. The definition of end, E-N-D, is termination, the limit at which a thing ceases to be, always of the end of some act or state. Now, this is the interesting part I want you to get. But not of the end of a period of time. That just That's good. that blew me away because whenever you think of end times, you're always... Your mind always goes to time yeah. and that it's going to end. 
yes, time is going to end because when God's all in all, there's no need for time and space right. because when he's all in all, he's all in all. Yeah, that's right. And the Bible talks about that. But um, I just thought it was interesting because our mind goes to that some end of a period of time that God's going to do something. Um, I want to I want to look at Romans six twenty two. We didn't give a lot of scriptures as the first part of the program, but we just had a lot to get off our heart, and we still have a lot more. But I do want to give this scripture in six twenty two of Romans. It says, "But now," and I love that. Anytime it says "now." Wherever you are, it's now. But now, as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. I didn't write this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there was probably a time where I would say, but I sin. Because I didn't have the full understanding of what this means. Right, right. You know, he, you know, what Adam did caused death, what Christ did causes life. And where there is life, there's no sin. His life, it, he was sinless. And it goes on to say, um, so consider the benefits you now enjoy. You know, if you, if you ask a, a believer, do you, you know, what are your benefits I don't know. Some people might have a hard time because they're going through so much pain and suffering and whatever. But we have benefits. He he said that he has given us, has, past tense, all spiritual blessings. All. And have we tapped into it? I haven't. Depends on what you're focused on. Exactly. It goes on to say, you are brought deeper And that's where I want to go with the Lord. I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. Now, the ending is not a time. It says, but now. So whatever I just read is for you now. Yeah, I once heard a man say, and this really jogged my thinking several years ago. A man walked up to the mic and he was ministering and he said, uh... We're going to talk about the end times. And he said, first off, I want you to understand you're in your end time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we keep thinking about, oh, the end time the might future. be. Yeah, off here in the future. <laughs> but the Lord is, this guy was saying, look in the obituary column. <laughs> Many of those people were in their end times, but they didn't realize it. Uh, the only thing I don't like about a lot of the end time preaching that's going on out there is I think that it robs people of their living joyful lives in Christ today. Um, You know, how many times have we turned on the TV or the news and we've seen where people have done horrible things? I mean, some people have even killed their children saying that they're going to be better off now because we're in the end times. So we sent them to heaven early so they didn't have to go through what's coming upon the earth. Um, I mean, these are the seeds that a lot of this end time preaching um, has planted in people's hearts. Um, you know, if, if I really believe that, that we're coming to the end here shortly, then, you know, why should I strive to get ahead on my job? Or why should I strive to do anything? Why should I strive to prosper, to bless people? Because, or to lead people to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, right, because, you know, I'm probably going to be out of here in a couple of months, you know, especially with the rapture doctrine, but we won't go there either. 
No, we won't go there. <laughs> we'll do a program on that sometime, and uh, yeah, and hopefully everybody will have an open mind and take what we say and take it to the Lord. But anyway, um, so if you really want to know what the end looks like, it may be different than what you've been taught for years. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it says, Then the final stages of completion comes. Where do you think that completion is occurring? I would say it's in us. It is. Because he says that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Right. So then the final stage of completion comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When he will bring an end, every other rulership, authority, and power, he will hand over his kingdom to Father God. You can picture that. That's an easy picture to picture. Now, then it goes in verse 25. Until then, he is destined to reign as king. And this is some good news here, folks. Until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. That's good news. He's not going to leave you without defense or whatever, defenseless or whatever. He is going to be with you and in you every step of the way. No matter how evil it looks out there, no matter how wicked it looks, no matter what's been done to you or what's been said about you, he is going to stay with us until all that garbage is subdued and placed under his feet. That's good news. Verse 26 says, And the last enemy to be subdued and eliminated is death itself. No more death. No more death. Praise God. That's what it says. That's exactly what it says. Acts 3.21 says, For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. Didn't say some things or many things, did it? No. God's not a destroyer. He's a restorer. And he's going to be here for the final restoration of how 50% of the things out there. No. 100% of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. If God does a promise, trust me, it's going to happen may not happen in the time that you want it to happen, but it's definitely going to happen. So in, in, in seeing Acts 3.21, does it sound like God's going to destroy the world and destroy two-thirds of the population and all that? Of course not. He's going to reconcile things back to himself. Two times in the Bible says God is reconciling things in Christ things of heaven and things of earth. I think two or three times. I know it's in Ephesians and I know it's in Colossians, but it's somewhere else probably too. Because God, he says, we are to be ministers of reconciliation. We are to reconcile people back. And and, and don't get me wrong. It's not back to the 
local church, which maybe that's involved in it, sure. But it's to be reconciled back to him. And that's what has to happen to the local church. The local church has got to be reconciled back to him and leave a lot of these old traditions of their forefathers in the garbage heap. Um, Yeah, how does God change the world? How can you change the world without changing men's hearts? How can you change the world without changing men's hearts? When God talks about he's going to bring about great change in the world, what he's talking about is I'm going to bring about great change in humanity. I'm going to bring about great change in my creation, my men and my women that are in the earth realm right now that are walking around with carnal minds. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to raise up inside of their hearts And they are going to wake up to the understanding uh, that they are a new creation in Christ. And they are not part of that old creation that they're walking around in in that world. Much of the things that have been created in this world have been created through man's mind, through man's carnal carnal power. And, and of course, man takes the glory and the honor for these things. I mean, even the knowledge uh, that we've gained in in the field of... uh, you know, medication to to cure a lot of diseases. Where do you think all that comes from in man's mind? Mm. It, it didn't come from him eating pizza one night and he woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and he had a new formula that he could put together. No, it was just like Edison. I went to Edison's home and, and I saw where he used to sleep in a little bed in his laboratory and he said he used to lay down in the bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden he'd see a vision of a fax machine, or you see a vision of a telephone. And where do these things come from? Yeah, Yeah, a phonograph. Where do these things come from? Do they come from man? No, they came from God for the betterment of man. But then when God gives us those things, what does man do with them? It's just like the A-bomb. You know, when they created the A-bomb, they were thinking about what a wonderful thing that would be to to rid the, the planet of cancer. Uh, I, I can't go into all the technicalities of it because I don't know it. But what did man eventually do with Oppenheimer's invention? They created a, a balm of mass destruction to destroy man. So man has got to be reconciled back. His mind and his heart has got to be reconciled back to God. And this is what God's going to be doing in this hour. Yes, is the world coming to an end? Yeah, man's way of thinking is going to come to an end. The world systems are coming to an end. The world itself is not. The planet Earth is not going to be blown to smithereens, but man's ways of thinking uh, are going to be blown to smithereens, and that's for the good of mankind and for the glory of God. Yeah, on Earth as it is in heaven. Right. Amen. So if it's on Earth, guess what? And it's going to, heaven's coming to Earth, so to speak. God's not going to destroy it. But he is going to destroy man's, the work that man has made. Look at the Tower of Babel, Jim. You know, yeah. their intent, intent was to build this thing so high that they get close to God. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe their hearts were, maybe they really thought that that was the way to do it. But it wasn't. No. <laughs> I mean, God... God said, uh-uh, I let you go this far, and you didn't come to me, yeah. not 
you know, this idol of a tower that supposedly is going to bring you closer to me. You don't need the tower. And you know, Rich, he confounded their language. Yes. Okay. And since he confounded their language, now we've got 40,000 denominations that are building towers out there, steeples, great steeples, billions of dollars that are going into these churches when that those resources could be spent over in Africa to build wells, to supply people with food. But here we sit here, a lot of, lot of these religious houses have got literally billions of dollars that they're sitting on, and we have a world that's starving, you know? Well, don't get me started on that topic. Yeah, I, I went to the Vatican, and um, how was the Pope? They have, <laughs> he's in Portugal now, and it's just so sad. And God bless the Pope. I'm not saying anything against him, but it's just so sad that you got people looking to a man. I mean, it's something about a youth conference or something, and so all these youth are showing up just to get a visual on the Pope. Like that's going to bring them closer to God. And, and, you know, maybe that's a starting point. I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, be negative about it. But all I'm saying is we need to realize that God is as close to you as your next breath. He lives inside of you. He you is don't your pray breath. to some. He is your he breath. Is your next you breath. don't pray to a mountaintop. You don't pray yeah. to a cloud up in the sky. You don't claim pray to some unknown God up there somewhere. You know, He loves you with an everlasting love, and that's never going to change. You could go out and rob a bank today, which I don't advise you to do so because you will spend a long period of time in the penitentiary. But if you do, is that going to affect the love God has for you? No. It's not. No. It's, God's not a, God doesn't hand out a list of do's and don'ts and whatever that if you do this, I'll love you. If you don't do this, then I'll love you. But you got to fit the, the prescription that I've laid before you. That's not in the Bible, Jim. He says that God so loved the world. Well, if he loves the world... He loves everybody. The world is everybody. So if he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will have everlasting life, then in Luke 15, Jesus sat with all the, what the, the church of the day or whatever, the religious leaders, well, why is he breaking bread with these undesirables? Because Jesus would leave the 99 sheep to get that one that strayed. And if he got that one that strayed, he'd bring them back. Because he wants oneness. He wants unity. He wants us to be one together. But it first begins with us being one with him. Jesus said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. That's my yearning every day. I want to be as close to the Father as Jesus was when he said those words. Yeah, uh, the actual fact of the matter, Rich, uh, Calvary, the cross, uh, I know that that's created a lot of question in people's minds. Why would an all-loving God send a spotless lamb, uh, his precious son, to die on the cross? 
My take on that in the decades that I've been walking with the Lord, I believe that Father showed me that the main reason why he came to earth, and we've got to understand that it was not just a man called Jesus that was on that cross. It said God was in Christ. Father was in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself. The main reason why you have the cross is God. That was the greatest way that he could convey the love, the unconditional love that he has for his creation, that he would lay down his own life, that he would leave the throne of heaven and come down into this dung pile which is what it would have been to the Lord. He came from perfection, and he comes down here into a dark, smelly world as compared to where he was, and he gave his life for us. That's all the demonstration I need as far as the love of God is concerned. And he said, it is finished. You know what? Right. That means a lot. And if you've listened to our podcast or our radio program, you know that that it is finished three-word statement carries a very, very powerful message to it. Go ahead. We just got a little time left, but yeah, I want to hear your poem. Yeah, I've got a poem here that the Lord gave me, I guess, a few months back. Uh, And it goes like this. Um, The Spirit of the Lord spoke in my heart, told me to get a pen, and I just started writing literally what the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart. I thank God that he says, my sheep know my voice. Yes. And we do know the voice of God. And that is his greatest desire in this hour. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, if any man will hear my voice, I will come in and sup with him. So here's what the Lord is saying. In this poem, he says, I want my people to get silent, pray silently, until you receive my mind, then praise me, and praise me, and you will find the keys to all the treasure in my spirit above, and you will understand I am truly the God of peace and truly a God of love. Then you can prophesy, you can speak my mind and my will, but only as you get quiet and still. Now listen to this, brothers and sisters. This really was thought-provoking to me. The next line in this poem says, For there are many adversaries between your will and mine. Yeah. There are many adversaries between your will and mine. In other words, there's a lot of funny ways of thinking, religious ways of thinking, political ways of thinking. They've all become adversary to the nature and the reality of God's love. So it says, For there are many adversaries between your will and mine, But if you will diligently seek me, you will always find the answers that you seek and the right solutions in due time. Beautiful. Well, just remember this. God is a restorer, not a destroyer. He's not going to destroy two-thirds of the population. Maybe two-thirds of what's in us needs to be destroyed. You know, the flesh. God's going to eliminate anything in our lives that does not look like him. He wants wants him developed in us. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to set the world on its ear because the love is going to just explode 
here in this world that we live in. And uh, people are going to then truly come to know Jesus for who he truly is. Yeah, Paul said, I pray that Christ be fully formed in you. Yes. So there is a forming of Christ in us, brothers and sisters. Amen. Well, we thank you for listening today and keep listening. Please keep listening. If you want to reach us, it's kingdombuilding73 at gmail.com. God bless you. And we'll talk to you. We love you. And we'll talk to you again soon.